In the Bible, we see sinners seeking God, but it also says that no one seeks after God, that Jesus came to seek the lost. Is the Bible contradicting itself? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah clears away the confusion as he continues his series, The Jesus You May Not Know. If you're seeking answers, stay tuned as David introduces today's message, Is He Seeking Us or Are We Seeking Him? You know, years ago when I was growing up as a young man, there used to be a song that we would hear on Christian radio stations, and it went something like this, I found what I wanted when I found the Lord. And I remember um, one of my favorite singers at that time was a woman named Vanjie Carmichael, and she used to sing that song. But one day somebody said, did you ever listen to that song? And I told them yes, and they said, did you know it's not true? And I said, what do you mean? I said, you didn't find what you wanted when you found the Lord. He found you. And most of the people have to agree, we weren't even looking for the Lord. He came and found us. You say, well, I went to church. How do you know you weren't going to church? Because God was seeking you and putting you in the right place. You're listening to this radio program today. You don't know God? Well, he's seeking you. And he wants you to come and be with him forever. So you better listen to what we talk about. Because the question we're going to ask today is, are you seeking for God? Or is God seeking for you? There's a whole group of churches that talk about the seekers. I get it. But in reality, the seeker is Almighty God. He is seeking whom he can save. And we're going to talk about that today. We're in this series called The Jesus You May Not Know. And uh, if you're going along with us in the study guides, this is lesson number five. You can follow along and Uh, John chapter 4 is our subject matter uh, in the Bible, and you'll be able to just track with us as we go through these next two days. By the way, if you haven't already done so, let me encourage you during this month to order your copy of Walking with Jesus, the beautiful leather-covered devotional for the new year. Now, when I say order it, here's how you do that. You give a gift to Turning Point of any size. We ask you to be as generous as you can be. This is the last month of the calendar year. We need your help, and you can help us a great deal if you uh, give a gift uh, from your heart and and do what God tells you to do. That's all I'm saying. And whatever size the gift may be, large or small, when you send your gift, just say, please send me the devotional, and it'll be on its way to you. Depending on when you get the message and when you get your transaction done, it could be there in time for the new year. What we want you to do is to have this so that every day you can open it up, and when you read the devotional, it'll prime your spiritual pump and get you going for the day. That's what our hope is. This is how it happens. Ask for your copy of Walking with Jesus, the new devotional, when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Here's part one of Is He Seeking Us or Are We Seeking Him? Today, we're going to examine a story that is well-known in the Bible. It's about Jesus crossing all kinds of barriers, going above and beyond to seek and to save someone. It's a story about our Lord's encounter with a woman. It is usually referred to as the woman at the well or the story of the Samaritan woman. And it is found, recorded for us, in the first 30 verses of John chapter 4. Now, normally, we would stop and read the text, but this is a very long passage, and so we're going to read it together as we go through the story, so no reading ahead. (laughs) Stay with me, and we're going to learn something today about the nature 
of our wonderful Lord. The message is really divided into three sections. First, we're going to see how the Lord seeks us. Then we're going to learn how he saves us. And then we're going to learn how he sends us. So first of all, how the Lord seeks us. The first nine verses of John chapter 4. I remember back in the early 90s as a pastor here, we went through this phase in the church. How many of you know the church goes through phases of methodologies? How many of you remember the bus movement where everybody went to church on a bus? And all kinds of stories about that. Well, we went through this phase, and it was called the seeker movement. And it was the idea that everybody out there is seeking after God, and if we can just connect with them, we can draw them into the gospel. So we ended up with seeker churches. Now, what happened was it just went to seed, and young, aggressive pastors were doing everything you can imagine that wasn't anything to do with what we normally knew as church, to track people to come to their services. I remember one church where the pastor rode down the center aisle on a motorcycle in the service. Can you see me doing that? (laughs) Another church with which I am very familiar had a very interesting series on prayer in order to illustrate the importance of prayer. They brought a beach ball into the pulpit and then they threw it out and if it landed on your lap, you got to write your little prayer request on the beach ball and kick it off to somebody else. That's a prayer chain. I've never heard anything like that before in my life. All kinds of things like that were done to attract people out there who are not normally attracted by the gospel. And I remember as I traveled around from place to place during those days, People would ask me, is Shadow Mountain a seeker-sensitive church, or is it a seeker-driven church? What kind of church is Shadow Mountain? And one day I was reading the scripture, and I read these words in Romans 3.11. There is no one who seeks after God. Hmm. Everybody go, hmm. The Bible talks about sinners seeking God. Let's truly understand that. And it also talks about God-seeking sinners. But when you put the two of those together, it's pretty clear that the only way we can ever seek him is if he seeks us first. It's kind of like the love quotient. We love him because he first loved us. Luke 19.10 tells us exactly how this works. For here is our Lord's mission statement as he came to this earth. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So now when people ask me if we're a seeker-friendly church, I say, oh, yes. Our seeker is Jesus, and we're pretty friendly with him. Uh, So that's how you answer that question. The Bible everywhere supports this wonderful truth, men and women, that Jesus is the seeker. He seeks after you. And he seeks after me. We may think that we sought Jesus and came to him, but before we ever sought him, he sought us. He was first of all seeking after us. And many people were honest when they became Christians and said, I wasn't even looking for the Lord. He came and he got me. He sought after me. So today, we're going to look at a passage of scripture and we're going to see how our Lord seeks after us. And what we learn from chapter 4 in the Gospel of John 
is that Jesus seeks after us no matter where we are, no matter what we are, and no matter who we are. Jesus has no boundaries to his determination to come and bring us to himself. We set up walls between us. We set up boundaries around our lives. We say, I'll go witness to those people, but I'm not witnessing to those people. I'll love this group, but I can't love that. Jesus had no boundaries whatsoever, as you shall see as we go through this passage of Scripture together. First of all, he seeks us past racial divides. In the first six verses of John chapter 4, we read, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now John tells us that Jesus is making a journey from Judea to Galilee. If you had a map, you would notice that to go from Judea to Galilee, the direct route is right through the center of Samaria. But many of you may know that the Jews hated the Samaritans, and no self-respecting Jew would ever go through Samaria for any reason. They would take a journey way up around the tip of Samaria and then come back into Galilee so that they wouldn't have to walk anywhere on Samaritan ground. The Jews hated the Samaritans, and the feeling was mutual. The bitter hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans was long-standing. You see, back in 721 B.C., the Assyrians came through the northern kingdom of Israel and swept many Israelites away in captivity to Assyria. The Assyrians also repopulated the region with people throughout their empire, and the remaining Israelites were mixed in with the Persians and the other conquered peoples, and paganism became mixed with countless other practices, and Samaria became an infamous region known for its impurity. In 587 B.C., the Babylonians came and took the southern kingdom of Israel away in captivity. And during the time that the southern kingdom of Israel was captive by the Babylonians, they were of absolutely pure Jewish blood. They never married with the Babylonians. Now get this picture. The Jews are returning to their homeland, and the Israelites from the southern kingdom had not intermarried. And they began to hate the Israelites from the northern kingdom because when they settled after the Syrian captivity, they intermarried with the Syrians. And so a tremendous tension grew up between the pure Israelites who had come out of Babylonian captivity but had not intermarried with the Babylonians and the Israelites who had been taken away by the Assyrians but married into the Assyrian culture, the paganism and idolatry and all. So in their minds, here was pure Israel, and here was the impure, corrupted Israelites. And so the northern kingdom had nothing to do with the southern kingdom, and the hatred was so great, they would really walk a hundred miles out of their way 
not to step on the territory known as Samaria. Now, we have a lot of racial hatred in our world today, but none of us any worse than that. That was pretty bad. But notice when Jesus made his journey to Galilee, the shortest route was through Samaria, and the Bible says that Jesus didn't take the detour. He didn't go around the top of the land and come back into Galilee. He went right through the center of Samaria. Now, please note, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. He was an Orthodox Jew, and he walked right through what the Jewish people thought was an unholy land made up of Jews who had intermarried with Assyrians. Jesus was a Jew, and the woman he was going to meet, the woman he was seeking, was a Samaritan. But Jesus looked past the racial divide, and when he saw this woman at the well of Sychar, he didn't see a Jew. He didn't see a Samaritan. He saw a person for whom Christ died who needed to hear the gospel. Would that we could get that in our hearts today, that God cares little about the color of our skin or the tongue that we speak or our racial differences He died for the whole world, and he sees the whole world just like he sees any one person. And we ought to have that view as well. We ought not to say, well, I couldn't go minister to those people. Jesus went across the racial barrier to touch the life of a needy woman. He not only seeks past our racial barriers, he seeks past our social divide. Verses 7 and 8 tell us, that a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. When Jesus sat down at the well that day and talked with this Samaritan woman, he not only went past a racial divide, he went past a social divide. In that culture in which Jesus was living in that day, a Jewish man never spoke to a woman in public. Believe it or not, they couldn't even talk to their wives or their sisters. The only woman that a Jewish man could speak to in public was his daughter. During Jesus' day, there was a group of Pharisees who not only refused to talk to a woman in public, they took it a step further and refused to look at a woman in public. Whenever they would see a woman in the distance, they would close their eyes. And they became known as the bruised and bleeding Pharisees because they kept running into buildings and stones and rocks. That's a real true statement from history. But Jesus was different. He was different than all of the people that he represented in Judaism. Throughout his earthly ministry, he was regularly in the company of women. In fact, Jesus had many female disciples which would have shocked his contemporaries. When we consider the social times Jesus was living in, the way he treated women was so different from the way everyone else treated women. Jesus elevated women to a status way above what they were normally treated in his day. And the Gospels include the examples of Jesus healing and forgiving women who were ritually unclean, who were Gentiles, who were sinners, women who had lost everything. He never rebuked them for acting like women, and he never made fun of them or purposefully avoided them. Instead, Jesus welcomed women. 
He included women. He called women to receive salvation. He treated them the way he treated everyone, engaging them in conversation, telling them about himself, and offering them the plan of salvation. So when Jesus went across Samaria to the well at Sychar and sat down that day with the woman, he's now violated two boundaries which controlled his day. Number three, he seeks us past the cultural divide. Verse 9 says, The woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. There you have it. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the right way, Jesus was a rule breaker. He was a cultural revolutionary. He shattered the norms of his day. And while his fellow Jews were taking alternative routes to avoid going through Samaria, he cut through the middle of this hostile territory. And while the average person would steer clear of a contagious leper, Jesus would walk right up to him and reach out his hand, and he became probably the first person in years to touch a dying leper. Jesus made a tax collector his disciple. Are you kidding me? He involved women in helping fund his ministry. And everywhere you look, he's crashing through the barriers that society was putting up around everyone. Jesus healed the servant of a Roman soldier, would you believe? He featured a hated Samaritan as the hero of one of his stories. The Good Samaritan, have you ever thought about that? He condemned the rich and the powerful and he lifted up the poor and the oppressed. Jesus had come to seek those left behind by everyone else. From the AIDS ward to the homeless shelter, no human being is an untouchable in the eyes of God. He did not come to pamper and puff up the found. He came to seek and to save the lost. And for Jesus, that's all that mattered. They were a human being who needed salvation. Should that not be our method as well? Should we not look at this world of men and women who are lost and need Christ and realize nothing really matters just except one thing? Show them Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Help them to know how to go to heaven. That's what Jesus did. Then, finally, and this may be the most profound of all, he seeks us past racial divides, past the social divide, past the cultural divide, and finally, past the moral divide. Now, let me remind you again, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. We know from this story that the Samaritan woman was living in an immoral relationship. The Bible teaches us in John chapter 4 that this particular woman had been married to five different men. And she was currently living with the sixth man who wasn't her husband. Yet here was the holiest man who ever walked on this earth, the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest rabbi in history, and he's sitting at a well speaking freely with her as though he was having a conversation among equals. Jesus broke through the moral divide in pursuing this Samaritan woman. Why? Because Jesus did not come to save those who were holy. Jesus came to save those who were sinners. The Bible says it this way, and Mark and Luke, those who are well have no need of a physician, 
but those who are sick. Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus didn't come to make religious people better. Jesus came to make sinners saints. Luke says it this way, I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Jesus you may not know gladly broke all kinds of barriers to make new friends. He crossed racial, social, cultural, and moral divides so that he could seek and save the lost. How Jesus seeks us. Here's an example of how that's being done today. If you ever travel to Northern Ireland, you will realize that they are still struggling with their wars between the Republican Catholics and the Unionist Protestants. This war supposedly ended over 20 years ago, but the divisions are still there. When Don and I were in Ireland some years ago, we noticed some of that. It was just kind of interesting to observe it. There's a dividing line that still runs down the middle of the city of Belfast. Parts of this city are still plagued by violence, drug abuse, military gangs, and broken families. But listen to this. There's this church sitting right in the middle of the dividing line. The dividing line goes right through the middle of the church. And there's a door that opens on this side of the church and a door that opens on this side of the church. And the church welcomes people from both sections of the city. They were once mortal enemies, but for a few moments on the Lord's Day, they sit in the church and worship together. Pastor Jack McKee said, I stand by sometimes and I say, this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Knowing they come from a terrorist background and that they're able to come and sit in the same row with those who were on the opposite side and worship God alongside them. Only God could do that. Let me ask you plainly today, do you have some unconfessed prejudices? Very easy today in this culture to be prejudiced. Are there people you simply just don't like? If we're going to seek the lost like Jesus, we have to overcome the barriers and take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we must do so compelled by the radical love of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we are in eternity someday, all these things we disagree about right now on this earth will seem so petty and unimportant. And we'll look back, many of us, for that period of time before he washes away all of our sinful thoughts, and we'll remember how we sometimes treated people unfairly just because they were not like us. Jesus sets the tone for all the racial issues people want to talk about today. For him, the only difference was the difference between a sinner saved by grace and a sinner that needs to be saved by grace. That was it. So that's how Jesus seeks us, and that's how we're to seek others. Notice, secondly, how Jesus saves us, and the story in John 4 continues. We're about to see some things Jesus did with this Samaritan woman as he tried to reach her heart. If you happen to be a person who likes to share your faith, maybe you consider yourself an evangelist or a witness, there's no passage in the Scripture that you can turn to that will help you more than this one. Well, that's true, and I hope you will take that to heart. 
Hey friends, there's a uh, kind of a package of material here, a bundle, if you will. Um, there's a book called The Jesus You May Not Know. I, I wrote that book uh, several years ago. It's it's full of all the illustrations and information from this whole series, plus uh, some that we didn't have time for. There's a study guide that goes with it. Uh, this study guide is in the fashion of our Turning Point study guides. It's 140 pages. It helps you coordinate what's in the book and what's on the air. And then there's a package of CDs that capture everything I've taught and will teach during this series. You can get the study guide and the CDs and this book from Turning Point at davidjeremiah.org. There you will see it displayed. You can order it, have it sent right to your home, and be ready to use it immediately. Why not plan a New Year study on the Jesus you may not know? Why don't you order that material today? And we'll see you right here tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Jesus You May Not Know, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2024 walking with Jesus. It's sure to inspire you through the year ahead, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue The Jesus You May Not Know on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Have you noticed that Christmas vacation has become winter holiday in many schools and that stores no longer have Christmas sales but holiday sales? It seems we've forgotten the reason for the season. The celebration that used to honor the Son of God now only celebrates His giving ways. 
But without Christ being the Son of God, born of a virgin, he's just human, not divine. Taking the real Christ out of Christmas is like turning off the flame in a hot air balloon. It eventually collapses for want of the only thing that can cause it to rise above this world. Something to which people look in amazement and celebration. This is David Jeremiah, and that is The Christmas Story on Route 66. Driving the word home this Christmas on Route 66. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Start your journey home today.